Celebrating female role models across our community. Live from Canberra Girls Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Be Like Her Live on CGGS Live. Welcome everyone live from Canberra Girls Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Be Like Her Live on CGGS Live. My name is Samantha and my co-hosts today are Ruby, Hannah and Pippa. Our special guest today is Summer Howith, founder of Eventful Learning Co and a strategic assistant at CGGS. Um, Hi Summer, do you want to give us more of like a further introduction of yourself? Oh, sure. Hey, so good to be here on your radio program. Uh, it's it's pretty much what you said there. I uh, work in my own company and get to hang out at Camberwell Girls Grammar School a couple of days a week working on really cool projects, getting them off the ground. So was a teacher for many, many years across Australia and uh, the USA. And now I get to support teachers to do really cool things to make school better for everyone that's so that's cool um so you were a teacher what what did you teach specifically did you have like a special list well I taught students but (laughs) that's always my running joke (laughs) um look I my specialties were geography and business studies um and and I went on to study geographical education at a master's level at university as well I loved it that much um but I really I taught um up to year 12 level but I really loved teaching middle years so got really involved in middle years of schooling associations and research um still get to hang out with them today as well yeah um you mentioned that you have like a really big it sounds like you have a really big passion for like education and teaching what got you started into like the field That's a really great question. I I think that I had a really good experience of school and some really fantastic teachers. And um, I I guess I I knew that they loved their job and I wanted to kind of spend my days really liking my job. Um, So I know a lot of people get into education because they kind of want to change the system or, you know, break school. but, But I always had a really, really good experience of it. Um, it's funny though, I did want to do, uh, design and, and like, you know, industrial design and, and interior architecture. And I feel like now I've been able to blend my love of education and understanding education systems, um, as well as design, you know, we've got the by design learning architecture and, and that takes a lot of kind of thinking around, you know, beyond design and all of the makerspace stuff. So I feel like I'm kind of blending the two, the older I get, which is kind of cool. Well, that's great that you enjoyed your time at school. Um, How was your experience at school and how does that impact how you design things such as by design? Mm, Gosh, you're making me think a long, long (laughs) way back, a long way back. So there's, there's this notion, I think, when I reflect back on school, I kind of go into my obviously year 11 and 12 years because Mm. that's closest, you know, I am back to school. Um, And I I actually really enjoyed the experiences that I was given around um, a lot of kind of work and career experiences. I was given a lot of real world projects to do. And and this is like 20 years ago, girls. So this is kind of a big deal for the people who, you know, the teachers that were designing at my school. Um, But I also go back to my kindergarten experience with Miss Miley and how she just, I don't know, she had surprises for us every day. So I often think that we get one 
good, clear memory of every year we're at school. So in my mind, whenever I'm supporting designing, um, you know, excursions or experiences or, 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 you know, big events, I often think is today the day students will remember of year nine or of year five. Um, and so, you know, thinking back to those great feelings that I had, even if I don't remember exactly what I did, but how it made me feel, that's what we like to to create intentionally or by design. Yeah. Um. So you were talking about how you like helping lots of students and stuff. Were there any like challenges on the way of doing that? Of helping students at Camberwell through by design? Yeah, just in general as well. Yeah, just in general. You know what? I think that we get really focused on results and I think we get really focused on, oh, gosh, if I don't get this result, what's that going to mean for my future? Yeah. So often working with students can be a little bit, um, you know, tricky in the case of, of course, we want you to put you give you those keys of of a good ATAR or you know good marks so that you can use those to unlock different um, experiences, but to also get you to be thinking in in sort of more creative and broad and, and possible ways. Um, I found that the older that we get, the harder that is to do. Um, and and there's a lot to be done. I think at, at system levels around that for sure, but sometimes getting students to break into a creative mindset out of just focusing on marks, I find that really challenging and, you know, a bit heartbreaking to be honest. Um, Speaking about um, linking back to by design, how did you like develop like that with the school as well with other schools, I'm assuming? Yeah, it was, you know, it was such a process that was happening before any students and probably any teachers really knew about it. Um, uh, Dr. Ford and, and Mrs. Dunwoody came to me around just some work I was doing with some other organizations with, you know, the zoo and, and, and other bits and pieces. And we were really actually thinking about how can we redesign um, middle school so that, that students are more creative and more engaged? And then when we started to ask really big design-based questions, you know, what's the purpose of school? What is it that we do at CGGS that makes us CGGS? And we started to really develop, um, rather than a program, an architecture or a scaffold for how other things can be designed. So rather than kind of, you know, building a house, we built like a scaffold around the place to think, well, how might someone else come and build a room here? And then how might they decorate that? So it was um, it was kind of interesting because by the time we'd launched this, COVID came along. Ooh. We wondered what happened to it. But it was a really strong architecture and a really strong foundation. So that's what we used to design a lot of those online experiences, the way that we shaped the day, um, you know, and Miss Manners really led that as well. Um, but it was a process. And the more people who interacted with it and, and looked at it, they gave more ideas. We just made it stronger from there. So it was a process of a few people then a few more people, then a lot of people, then everyone. Um, and now it's kind of just 
baked into what we do. It's kind of cool. That's so cool. The fact that you like kind of merge two of your like interests together. Um, I think that's really amazing and achieving something that's obviously really good. And you battled COVID, which is absolutely <laughs> astounding. Um, we all did that together. We all did that together. Definitely. So you brought up the zoo. Um, what kind of things did you do with the zoo and how did you do that? Yeah, the zoo is a really interesting one because um, uh, there's, as you know, three, now four properties across um, Zoos Victoria in Melbourne. And uh, so I get to work with all of the people who deliver education programs at the zoo. They were wondering if their excursions needed a redesign. So in the early days, I went on lots of school excursions on lots of different days and I was just observing how people were learning or, you know, getting frustrated or enjoying it and supported them to redesign that. And now uh, about four years on, still working with the team on strategy. So if we think of operations is kind of the stuff we do day to day, like the excursions, the strategy is working on bringing everyone together on a clear why we would do excursions or why we would do those sorts of things. So keeping on working on those alongside some very, very clever educators, conservationists, all sorts. And and you would know that we have our Youth at the Zoo um, program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of that came from from some of the background work that I'd been doing with the zoos. Okay. Um, If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Be Like Her Live on CGGS Live, live from Campbell Girls Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Samantha and my co-hosts today are Ruby, Hannah and Pippa. Our special guest today is Summer Howith. Um, So the zoo, it's so great for you um, to bring like very logic and strategic elements into you know field works and field trips to get people more engaged um and I obviously that's a very um rewarding job yeah I feel like that's so amazing um yeah so this strategic assistance you've been a strategic assistant at our school for four years do you want to elaborate more on that and what you do yeah, sure. Look, it's it's turned into um, very much how is it that I can be a brain trampoline for teachers and, uh, you know, the, the school executive. So they might have an idea and say, Summer, you work in lots of different places as well as CGGS. What else are you seeing out there? What can we bring into CGGS that might be happening, you know, decisions that are being made at a policy level by decision makers, good ideas that are happening maybe outside of schools in industry. Um, So my job really is to bring good ideas in, to really help people understand by design and to use that. Um, and to support good ideas coming to life. So sometimes it might be having big conversations. Sometimes it might be doing research. Sometimes it might be, you know, creating padlets and just helping people out in that sort of way. It's about getting the job done and being that big helper outer up. Definitely. Um, <laughs> did you have like any doubts along the way especially working with students you know they're very challenging and like teenagers can get quite moody sometimes oh teenagers yeah so were there like any challenges that you had to face that's a a great question um I think it's it's how you approach that a lot of people think teenagers are you know oh why would you want to spend your day in school with a whole bunch of moody 15 year olds I think it's the schools have such happy noise and and are such a 
you know, diverse place of, of emotions and, and, and actions. You know what I found most challenging? I'll tell, take you back to a day <laughs> when um, school had, uh, had got, you know, shut down because of lockdown. And uh, so all of the teachers were teaching from home and all of the students were learning from home. And it was, I had come in to, um, to, to support, you know, one of the online learning programs that we were, we were doing. And it was just me and Mrs. Dunwoody in the school and no one was opening that staff room door. It's such a nice place. People are always flowing in and out. There was no kind of little squeals of delight when you all see each other and it's, you know, recess time and, and obviously Pinwheel Cafe was closed and it was so quiet. And when the school went quiet for those months, um, it was really hard because I really realized how beautiful it is when we're all together, even though days are challenging and even though sometimes things are really, you know, hard or stressful, we're better together. So that was probably the biggest challenge of of being part of a community like Camberwell. You miss it when you're not there or when you were all not there. Um, yeah. It's hard. <laughs> um, it's really amazing how when you talk about like the challenges, it is like quite um, drastic, I could say. Um, but moving on from challenges, what were some of your like favorite highlights from working in what you do? Oh, at, at Camberwell? Oh, just in general, any of your favourite uh, In general. I mean, Camberwell is my favourite place <laughs> to work, so I always come back to Camberwell. Um, look, I think highlights are when, when people are able to see an idea come to life because it's really nice to come up with ideas, but ideas come for free. It's how you can actually rally a team to see what's in your head or if you can see what's in someone else's head um, and and bring that to life, like that's so rewarding. So even uh, the other day I've been working remotely with a team um, largely here in uh, in South Australia. So I get to work remotely a lot. That's probably another really cool thing. I can work from from wherever. Um, and, And I was able to summarize what somebody was trying to get across. I could almost see inside his brain. And he smiled and he said, can I just take a moment on this call and just sort of say, I'm so happy that somebody can finally see what's in my head and help me bring it to life because it's been a frustration for a long time. And a lot of people who are, you know, creatives or innovators, that's um, that's a bit of a stress. So that's a really high point for me to be able to support things to become real. Definitely, yeah. Um, Summer, you've done a lot of work on focused on well-being, especially with Beyond Blue. Um, how does that affect students practicing well-being? Mm, it's a really, really great question. Um, uh, BU is the school's program for Beyond Blue, and I get to sit on their national advisory council. So I don't kind of do a lot of the work on the ground in well-being. Um, in fact, I could probably get a lot from somebody doing some well-being work that I was involved in because I tend to go, you know, quite frantic at things. But it's so important because it gives, just like by design, a framework that clever teachers can say, I can choose from this, I can work under those sort of same principles. It makes you, you know, more kind of directed and, and more prepared for what comes our way. So we know that if 
we want to do our best. We need to be at our best. Um, and I think that the I've really aligned myself with the work of Beyond Blue because um, I really believe in the people who are creating that work. It's really nice sitting on that National Advisory Council to give them some insights into what's actually happening at schools, what are some of the challenges of, of students and teachers. Um, but gosh, I think if, if we don't focus on well-beings, then the rest kind of doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like you've been supporting students and I mean, everyone for your career. So um, let's dial it back and talk about when you were a teacher um, and what made you decide you were going to be a teacher? Was it just like inspiration from past having a good teacher? Uh, I, I tell you, Penny Walsh, um, she is still the teacher who sticks in my head as, oh, my gosh, I want to be like you when I grow up. And I remember actually thinking that she was just so clever and she was so passionate about what she was doing and she she really guided me to bring out the best in what I was able to achieve in school. So I was lucky to have her in year 11 and year 12 as a teacher. So, you know, I was kind of thinking about the, the careers and going going right into that. But it's interesting um, in, in this sort of 10 years or so that I was a teacher, I got really interested in, in the the rules, I suppose, that teachers have to follow, you know, curriculum or, yeah. or um, uh, professional development and things like that and, and started to get a little bit involved in that, which is which is how I sort of made the leap from being right. a teacher. Um, I worked then for the federal education minister. I worked in policy um, for a little bit, which I was terrible at, <laughs> terrible, because I used to ask all the time, why is this a policy? Why would you want teachers to do that? And rather than them firing me and saying, stop asking questions, Summer, they actually put me in a position to say, we need you to keep asking these questions so that we can get better at what we're doing, which was which was kind of cool. But yeah, I've always been inspired by people doing good work um, and thought, yeah, I'd like to give that a try. But I've had a wild and woolly career <laughs> path, girls, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, three of us are in middle school and you mentioned that you're focused on teaching students in middle school. Is there something special about that age group <laughs> that um, you help to develop their learning? I mean, you you know, you're in middle school, so you know there's something special <laughs> about middle school as being a middle schooler for sure. <laughs> but So, yes, uh, wholeheartedly there's something special about the middle school. But when we're talking about it from a brain development um, stage, yeah, there's a lot of unique stuff that happens when you are a young adolescent. So between that sort of year six to year nine um, sort of stage there, a lot of similar things happen in your brain as they do from when you're actually kind of two and three years old. Whoa. So Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? So if you think about your brain... Um, you know, deciding what it needs when you're two and three years old because you're learning all sorts of things, how to walk, how to talk, how to eat, how to do all the things. Um, when you're in that sort of young adolescence, your brain is making those decisions again. So things like the capacity to absorb uh, second, third, fourth, fifth, 74th languages, it gets a little bit trickier after middle school, for example. Um, so I'm very fascinated with that. So there's special things we would say, and I know Dr. Ford would, would agree with me as well, 
special things that we should be doing in middle school to support what your brain is doing um, socially and also how you are absorbing um, learning. So particular different things there. Um, And I just find that cool and fascinating and like, I just love it. And I think there's also without a little bit of that pressure of of VCE, um, unfortunately, and hopefully we can change that. There's a few more creative things we can probably do in the middle as well. Yeah. Um, We've noticed that you've written a few articles about many things. Could you tell us about that? Yeah. Oh, gosh, throughout my time, <laughs> I, I'm sure I've written lots of tweets, lots of blogs, lots of all sorts of bits and pieces. Um, I recently wrote an article with my friend Chris Hart for the Centre for Strategic Education um, in Australia, and it was on reimagining learning in a hybrid world. Um, so that's probably the the one that's sticking in my head most that you may have, have come across. Yeah. What we're trying to explore, because there are no answers, just experiences at this point we've we've had to learn in different conditions and in different ways and we're trying to kind of look at what are the sorts of rules or tools or mindsets or skill sets that you need in order to do some really good learning in some different ways so we were just really looking at what might be some some things that governments might want to think about that school leaders might want to think about, the teachers, the families, the students. So we're just trying to put on the table, let's not go back completely just to five days at school, the same sort of model that we've been doing for the whole time. We're trying to challenge people to to think a bit differently. But yes, writing um, is, is a very good thing to do. It synthesizes obviously your ideas. It's a terrifying thing to do because then you put it into the world and people might go, that's a terrible idea. Why are you doing that? Um, so you've kind of got to be ready for a little bit of that. But I tell you, there's nothing better than finding someone that you are values aligned with and writing um, something with them because, again, you get to brain trampoline. It's really good. It's good fun. Give it a go. Put something out there. The um, world needs levers. <laughs> definitely. You mentioned you've done research. Do you conduct this research by going into schools or do you do it at an office or...? Oh, there's nothing better than getting out into a a school, that's for sure. I'm going to be really clear. My research is an academic research, you know. It's not like that rigorous evaluation (laughs) kind of stuff. My research is is to get an outcome, to get a purpose. So if I go back to kind of thinking about our zoos thing, I couldn't go and help redesign an excursion experience without going on heaps of excursions myself. So that's the sort of research. Sometimes it is diving into, you know, the Google machine and seeing what other people are saying or writing. Uh, But I would say I probably do 20% of that to 80% just trying to get the lived experience of people and, and trying to take a walk in their shoes. Such an important part of the design thinking process. Yes, of course. Um, so you are also the founder of eventlearning.co. Do you want to elaborate mm-hmm. on what that does and why you decided to create it? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Eventful Learning looks at um, supporting great strategy. So we, what we say as our catch cry, we design great learning. We design yeah. great learning strategy, great learning projects, great learning uh, content, great learning initiatives. Um, how did it start by accident? (laughs) 
Absolutely by accident. So I was working uh, after the working for the minister. Yeah. I started working in a in a different consultancy owned by a different group of people, and I was doing a lot of workshops all around the world, um, and that was you know supporting teachers to think differently. And I guess I just kind of got to a point where I thought oh, I'd like to do some some more creative design rather than just sort of the delivery of things. And it, it was actually my friend from the zoo who um, who said, oh, we'd, we'd, you know, really like this project. Do you think you might be able to sort of do that? And I just kind of thought, yeah, I'd like to do that work. And then you have to kind of start business structures around these things. You yeah. know, you've got to pay tax and you've got to do mm. best statements and you've got to have public liability insurance. And I was like, oh, well, then I'll I'll get a brand and I'll call it a thing. So that's, <laughs> it wasn't some strategic thing of thinking one day I'm going to start a business and I'm going to work for myself. But I tell you, one of the things that I thought um, really drove me was, you know, my uh, getting to know my own values. I really value um, freedom and I, and I really value creativity. So running my own business allows me to, to do those two things. Your business sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> what challenges did you have starting up it? Starting it up, sorry. And what advice would you give to other young women who would want to start one? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think there's something about um, the confidence to to kind of back yourself to do a thing. So uh, also uh, spreadsheets. I'm terrible at spreadsheets. Oh, and I, yeah, yeah I had this, this idea in my head that I couldn't run a business unless I um, could could do a spreadsheet. And then I realized like there are other people who love spreadsheets and they love doing tax and they love doing things. Oh. So my best piece of advice is find other clever people who do the things that you don't <laughs> like to do and, and employ them or do business with them. So I work with a great group called the Blue Rock in Melbourne. They specialize in supporting um, entrepreneurs and and particularly at that point, female entrepreneurs, uh, to, to do all the things in their business that they don't like doing. So they do all that and they let me get on with just doing great design and, and they've set up the business to be really strong and obviously very, you know, properly legally structured and, and all of those sorts of things. So I would say get out of your own way would be my advice because we often as women put up our own walls Mm -hmm. and then for some reason, don't think we can climb over them, trust the process and enjoy the journey. Um, and I guess one of my best mantras is make friends with clever people and do good work. <laughs> Strategic partnerships. Yeah. That's very smart. Um, it's really admirable that you were able to like found a business um, and also met, like recognize the strengths that you have and the what weaknesses you had and how to reach out. Um, what would you say were like the traits that you have that helped you the most with that? You know, I actually think it's experience. So there's there's something to be said about all of the years um, from when I was, you know, 15 years old working in retail, um, you know, always having a job doing babysitting or, you know, whatever would come along um, and, and doing a lot of things that, you know, I didn't quite quite like, but I was curious as to why they were. So um, I really enjoyed my time working at at, at Aitzel. Don't get me wrong, but was I really good at developing policy and writing memos to CEOs? Like, no. 
but I spent time doing it because I, I kind of knew that I needed to understand the way things work. So by the time I launched eventful learning, you know, I, I've almost been, I've been working in some capacity or another for well over, you know, 25 years. So I think there's something around the, the will to start a business or start something up almost prematurely. And it's not saying, you know, don't give things a go, but I think the, the success of it is because I've been able to, um, build a career path. So you, you can have whatever job you want straight out of school. You can go be a CEO of whatever you can go be director of innovation, whatever, but what you can't buy is, is a career path and the the skills you gain along the way, but also the people that you meet along the way and, and all the times you showed up and, and sat in an audience, um, and, and learned. So I think experience is probably the best thing that, that I've been able to lean on. Yeah. Okay. So, um, is there like any advice you'd like to finish off with? Oh my gosh. You know me girls. I could, I could give you so many pearls of wisdom, but, but I really do feel like it's, it's don't be afraid of hard work. Um, you know, back yourself, but, but trust, trust and enjoy the journey. Think about how you want to spend your days rather than what job you want to do, because then your brains will be open to doing whatever. I, when I first started this, um, this company and I was able to kind of get a bit more freedom, do you know what I did? I wrote a list of all the things that I don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Including spreadsheets. really negative, doesn't it? I wrote a list and said, these are things I don't want to work on or I don't want to, you know, spend my days doing, which meant everything else is up for grabs. So mm. I don't want to hire and employ people. I don't want to manage people. I just know that I'm like too emotional for those sorts of things. So if a, a, somebody came along a couple of years ago with a really amazing offer for a job and said, you know, you'll be managing a team of 15, it took everything in me not to take that job because, I, you know, we're always told, oh, be this in this position yeah. and it's going to be more prestigious. But I thought, no, I've got to stick true to my my word there. And, and that's what will, um, you know, make me happier. So think about how you don't want to spend your days. Think about how you do want to spend your days. Um, and don't be afraid of, of hard work. Yeah. Great. So do what you love and stick to being yourself. Um, yeah. And ex- you'll only explore that through, you know, getting older and, and experiencing yeah. heaps of different stuff. So if you don't know right now, that's totally fine. I didn't when I was 16 either. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's all we have time for today. Thank you, Summer. It's been a great pleasure talking to the, talking to you today. Um, live from Kemble Girls Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia, you've been listening to Be Like Her Live on CGGS Live. My name is Samantha and my co-hosts today were Ruby, Hannah and Pippa. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope everyone found today's information useful. And until next time, have a great day. Celebrating female role models across our community, live from Kemperwell Girls Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to Be Like Her Life on CGGS Live. Mm-hmm.